This is a broadcast of Holland United Church of Christ. At Holland UCC, we seek to open the mind and engage the heart. We are a community of justice, peace, and affirmation in Holland, Michigan, where everyone is welcome to the table. A reading of scripture according to 1 Kings 19, 1 Kings 19, 4 through 8. Elijah went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a solitary broom tree. He asked that he might die. It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the broom tree and fell asleep. Suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Get up and eat. He looked, and there at his head was a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. He ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came a second time, touched him, and said, Get up and eat, otherwise the journey will be too much for you. He got up and ate and drank. Then he went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights to Horeb, the mount of God. For the Word of God in Scripture, for the Word of God among us, for the Word of God within us. Well, our subject matter today, friends, is heavy, as we've already indicated. Depression, mental health, and suicide are not topics you bring up at a social gathering to lighten the mood. And they're not things that we often find ourselves wanting to talk about. We might even actively avoid talking about them because they're hard. But to talk about them, we must, because they're real parts of the human experience. And for too long, they have not been taken seriously enough. Now, I am a bit out of my depth, admittedly, on this subject matter, so I'm going to rely a bit on folks with more expertise and experience this morning, particularly uh, the writer of our Words of Integration and Guidance, Matt Haig. His book, Reasons to Stay Alive, uh, has been described as wonderful and beautifully written, destined to become a modern classic and essential reading for anyone who has dealt with depression or for anyone who loves someone with the disease. And in this book, he states that depression is a leading cause of death in this country. Depression is a leading cause of death in this country, accounting for over one in a hundred fatalities. According to figures from the World Health Organization, suicide kills more people than stomach cancer, cirrhosis of the liver, colon cancer, breast cancer, and Alzheimer's. And as people who die by suicide are more often than not experiencing depression, Matt Haig notes that makes depression one of the deadliest diseases on the planet. It kills more people than most other forms of violence. Warfare, terrorism, domestic abuse, assault, gun violence, gun violence or gun crime, I should say. And it kills more than all of those actually put together. But we don't think of it that way often. We don't think of it that way. We often think, well, depression really isn't 
that bad. And if they, if we did think it was that bad, if we did realize the severity of it, how widespread it is, Matt Haig notes, uh, we wouldn't say the things we say. And he has a section in the book entitled, Things People Say to Depressives That They Don't Say in Other Life-Threatening Situations. And admittedly, this is perhaps slightly humorous. Come on, I know, and these are things he imagines people don't say. Come on, I know you've got tuberculosis, but it could be worse. At least no one's died. Why do you think you got cancer of the stomach? Yes, I know colon cancer is hard, but you want to try living with someone who has got it? Sheesh, nightmare. Oh, Alzheimer's, you say? Tell me about it. I get that all the time. Ah, meningitis. Come on, mind over matter. Yes, yes, your leg is on fire, but talking about it all the time isn't going to make things better, is it? And my favorite. Okay, yes, maybe your parachute has failed, but chin up. Okay, so a dark sort of. But things of that sort are said to people dealing with depression and mental health struggles. Because we don't understand it well enough, we don't take it seriously enough. But take it seriously, we must. The worst phone call I've ever gotten was in June of 2019, two summers ago. It's hard for me even to share it, and apologies for any, how hard it is to hear it, perhaps, again. It was, it was late, I was in the house, Christy and I and a friend were, were chatting, and the phone rang, I went into the kitchen to answer, and it was Pastor Denise from Maple Avenue. She said, Brian, it's Denise, a friend of ours has died. Jeanette Skipper. She took her own life. I said, no, no. All I could say was no. That cannot be right. No. Nope. I could not comprehend what I was hearing. That can't be right. I've seen her recently. I'll see her at a meeting next week. No. Many of us knew Jeanette. She worshiped with us on occasion here at Holland UCC. She was very involved in the community, a dedicated mom and activist. She ran for office and she'd been on my mind that month as I was gearing up to announce I was running for Congress. And I couldn't wait to tell Jeanette because she was someone who had inspired me to run when I saw her run for office. And I never got to tell her. This is so important, friends, because the lives of people we love are at stake. 
And I'm glad we have we have a text from the scriptures today that show that humanity has struggled with depression and suicide for a long time. Sometimes we think, oh, this is a modern issue. But here we have a biblical hero, a prophet, Elijah, who's had enough and who cannot go on. The text says he simply laid down under a tree hoping to die and asked God, please take my life. This is it. I can't go on any further. My experience is that in the church we often don't know how to deal with this. If Elijah were in a church community, he'd probably be told something like, just bring it to Jesus. Or I'll pray for you. Or God's miracles never cease. Or just put your trust in the Lord. Or have you been reading your Bible? But when you're depressed, when you're struggling with anxiety, when you're at the point you're not sure, or perhaps you are sure you can't go on, any longer. No amount of flowery Christianese is going to help. In fact, it might make it worse. Well, in the book I referenced, Matt Haig shares a bit of his own experience when he was 24 and living in Ibiza, an island in the Mediterranean off the coast of Spain. And you might imagine if I was living on an island off the coast of Spain... I can't imagine depression would be something I would be worrying about, but again, just shows how real this is. And that sometimes outside perspectives might look at a situation and think, well, how can that person be struggling? Look at how good life is for them. He writes, the sun was beating hard and the air smelled of pine in the sea. The sea was right there just below the cliff. And the cliff edge was only a few steps away, no more than 20, I would say. The only plan I had was to take 21 steps in that direction. I wanted to die. There was a lizard near my feet, a real lizard. I felt a kind of judgment. The thing with lizards is that they don't kill themselves. Lizards are survivors. You take off their tail and another one just grows back. They don't get depressed. They get on with it. However harsh and inhospitable the landscape, I wanted more than anything to be that lizard. The villa was behind me, the nicest place I had ever lived, in front of me, the most glorious view I had ever seen. A sparkling Mediterranean looking like a turquoise tablecloth scattered with tiny diamonds, fringed by a dramatic coastline of limestone cliffs and small near white beaches. It fit almost anyone's definition of beautiful. And yet the most beautiful view in the world could not stop me from wanting to kill myself. This was pain. I had been okay and now suddenly I wasn't. I wasn't well. I simply did not, could not feel like this a second longer. I had to end myself. I was going to do it as well. I, while my girlfriend was in the villa, oblivious, thinking that I just had gone out to get some air. I walked, counting my steps, then losing count, my mind all over the place. Don't chicken out, I told myself. Or I think I told myself, don't chicken out. I made it to the edge of a cliff. 
I could stop feeling this way by simply taking another step. It was so preposterously easy, a single step versus the pain of being alive. Well, I never took that step. and had the ability, after some time, to write about this experience. And I'm glad that he gives the, the sort of the provisos that he gives that Dave read for us and the words of integration and guidance that these experiences in some ways are unique to each person dealing with them. While there are similarities, there's no one size fits all when it comes to mental health, when it comes to depression. And that in some ways is what makes it so hard, right? To, to understand always. And also that you can't see it, right? It's invisible. It doesn't show up like skin disease or it's not something that an x-ray or a CT scan is going to show up like a broken bone. And Haig notes that depression is not simply feeling a bit sad. And he wonders if depression is even the right word. He says, depression makes me think of a flat tire, something punctured and unmoving. Maybe depression minus anxiety feels like that, but depression laced with terror is not something flat or still. The poet Melissa Broder once said, what idiot called it depression and not there are bats living in my chest and they take up a lot of room. <laughs> P.S. I see a shadow. At its worst, he says, you find yourself wishing desperately for any other affliction, any physical pain. Because it seems there's a limit to how high physical pain can go. But the mind is infinite, and so its torments can expand and expand and expand. And I find that description actually really helpful. Really helpful. It isn't just a matter of, hey, cheer up, right? The sun is shining or trying to shine. You'll be okay, right? Sometimes it just isn't okay. Sometimes it's the first thing from okay. And it isn't always obvious either. It isn't always obvious. Kate notes that you can be a depressive and be happy, just as you can be a sober alcoholic. And it can affect all kinds of people, millionaires, people with good hair, happily married people, people who have just landed a promotion, people who can tap dance and do card tricks and strum a guitar, people who exude happiness in their status updates, people who seem from the outside to have no reason to be miserable. So it's so important that we don't assume we know how someone is doing. And so important that we don't assume we know who this can affect or not affect. It can affect all of us. And so I don't have any easy answers today, friends, and I don't think there are any easy answers as a part of this conversation. There's no simple, just trust in Jesus, 
that I can wrap things up with. But I think it's so important for us to address these issues, talk about these topics, and talk about them openly. And make space for themselves so that we can ramp up the awareness and empathy for those in our lives, maybe even ourselves, who are struggling. Now, we were just gifted with a public figure who decided that her own mental health was more important than Olympic medals. And as we know, the Olympics is something that comes around every four years, or in this case, five. And gymnastics, of course, is a sport that if you compete in two Olympics, you're fortunate, right? It's not one of these sports that you're a five-time Olympian in because of the athletic demands and the small window in which you can compete at a high level. And yet here was Simone Biles, the gold medal favorite, saying, my own well-being is more important than standing on that medal stand. So powerful. So powerful. And I'm glad that there's been largely support with a few vocal and ignorant detractors. But she modeled self-care in such a beautiful and public and vulnerable way. But what about care for others? Care for others. Again, no easy answers. In our text, God doesn't respond to Elijah's request to die with a glib, block up you old prophet, shake it off, you'll be okay. Right? Nothing like that. Nothing like that. Instead, God quietly sends an angel with food. An angel with food. And there's no words of cheer. Just simply get up and eat. Elijah does, then lays back down. And the angel comes a second time again with food. And again says, get up and eat. A beautiful model for us and a reminder to check in on your friends. You just might be the angel that God intends to send. Amen. You may be saved. invited to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. streaming on Facebook. You can also watch these messages on the Holland UCC YouTube channel. And for more information, how to get involved, or to support our work, like us on Facebook or visit hollanducc.org. Mm-hmm.